Welcome to the Unearthed Man podcast, the journey of becoming a conscious man. Hey all, Stephen here and welcome to Season 3 of the Unearthed Man podcast, or otherwise known as Episode 53. I cannot tell you how great it is to be back in the recording chair and to get the podcast up and running again. I, uh, as clearly, I took about 14 months off, uh, but I'll talk through this episode, what's been happening in that 14 months. But the further I got to the back end of the year, the more men that were reaching out to me via podcast, some of the other men that were reaching out going, Hey, we really miss not being able to listen to your podcast. You know, the fire come back up and I realize that, you know, there is, a real service in being able to provide this podcast and being able to have interviews with men, being able to actually just have these beautiful conversations and get to share them around the world, which is absolutely awesome. Um, last check, you know, we'd hit 29 countries, 520 cities or whatever it is in relation to that. So, you know, to have that reach is just amazing. And um, I feel honored to be in a position to be able to host and run this podcast. Now, what you would have noticed in season one, I wasn't doing any acknowledgement of country. In season two, I started to do an acknowledgement of country in how I thought I was meant to be doing an acknowledgement of country. Again, there is this whole education and belief system that gets put around us of this is how you now do an, an acknowledgement of country. Whilst I was on the break, um, I had an opportunity uh, via a beautiful man, uh, Will Austin. So he's a proud Peak Wurrung Kirei Wurrung First Nations man. He has this great initiative called Yarn Bark, and Yarn Bark is all about um, taking other young uh, First Nations people and, and other people on these journeys to learn more about you know, the true custodians of land and, and what is going on. And so off the back of that, we'll pull together a course called Acknowledging Country Meaning Meaning Meaningfully. I always get that wrong. It's a hard word to say. So I signed up to that course and it was such an eye-opener um, going through that course. And probably one of the key things that came out of it was not only – Will telling into the story and him being very vulnerable and him recording it actually on country, which is beautiful because at a point in time, emus appeared and you could hear the wind. And it was interesting when, when he was telling certain stories or uh, relaying uh, certain events or educating us that uh, the wind would pick up or die off. And, and so I became very intrigued with that. One of the key messages that came out of the back of this course was the traditional way that you know, Aboriginal First Nations peoples, Indigenous peoples, or, you know, what, what we, you'd like, they're all about telling stories. It's all about the storyline. So we hear about song lines. We hear about the dreaming. And these are stories that are immersed in voice, song, dance, and are handed down over thousands and thousands of years. And so what do we do in white Australia or, you know, in our world, what we do is that we boil that down to I acknowledge the traditional custodians of land and I pay respects, right? So we bring this thing down to two or three lines and go, hey, you know, I've done the right thing. 
And the reality is we haven't done the right thing. Again, we have just applied a Western way to make Westerners feel better about our lives. So I'm not doing that anymore. What I am going to do, and you will start to see as we actually go through the episodes, that at the start of each episode, I'm now actually learning how to be better at storytelling and how I'm aligning some of what I've witnessed through my life into a story and how that then translates back into the acknowledgement. So we're going to pick up from there and that's how I'm going to go through. So yeah, I'd love to hear the feedback as we go along as to what you are going to do and, and have a think about, do you just go through the motion because you feel it's the right thing to do or do you actually truly understand what it is to acknowledge the land that you're on, the unceded land that you're on, the First Nations peoples that have been here for you know, 50, 60, 70, 80,000 years and how you're going to go about that or are you just going to tick the box and go through um, just the motions as I said. So as a, moving forward, what we're going to do is get into a story. So let me get from that. I was born in a small country town in southwest Victoria called Colac. Now, the traditional custodians of the land where I grew up were the Gulagin peoples. Now, Colac is believed to be derived from the Aboriginal word meaning sand or fresh water. Now, that's a reference to the lake. Where I grew up, there's this beautiful lake um, and called Lake Colac. And, and a lot of people come down, and it's well known for its fishing and, and its sporting events and so forth. Um, being... The region I came from is, was very volcanic, um, you know, back in the day. So there's a lot of these lakes that have been formed, very much a volcanic lake, and there's a lot of volcanic rock around those areas. And so in growing up in that area, where we were was pretty much on flatlands, which has now been, if you like, bastardised into farmlands and, you know, a lot of sheep and cattle in that area. And then, but not far from us, uh, where the Gadubanad, peoples which is down more in, in the um the Altways area you know that takes you up over the over the Altways and down into the beautiful ocean land so i had this opportunity to live not only a flat but be able to go up through rainforests and then get down into a beach growing up and when you think about that you know for us being here 250 plus years and now we've got motor vehicles and everything else but let's go back pre to that let's go back pre that like here you've got these beautiful people that live beside a freshwater lake. Their neighbours live beside the ocean and in between them is this amazing rainforest. And if you think about the diversity of food, the diversity of plant life, plant medicine, access to the ocean, I just can think back about you know how you know the harmonious way that they would operate in relation to you know sharing freshwater fish or freshwater eels with saltwater fish or you know um, shells and, and um, crustaceans from the ocean and how you know the more unlikely gathering places it would take where both nations would get together potentially in the rainforest you know and they would share other foods where there'd be you know kangaroos wallabies you know other birds that they may catch and then the freshwater creeks where there'd be trout and and other fish that they'd be able to do and the trading that would take place between those nations and so you know here's this place where they could share and pre bringing cattle and sheep there's a lot of native 
grasses and native wheats that were used. So again, these were not nomadic people. These were people who actually had houses, who did actually build dams and rivers to be able to catch fish, who did really care for the land. And, And so our forests, where we know we have horrible bush forests all the time and, and these, um, you know, fires and everything else that come racing through never used to exist because, again, the traditional custodians of both lands would come together and they would correctly run cold fires and hot fires to make sure that you didn't have all this undergrowth and that there wasn't at risk. So I look back now about how all that works and some horrible bushfires that have taken place and how, you know, we've got all these cattle and sheep now on this soil that's been destroyed and think how beautiful this land must have been when it was left to the traditional custodians. So off the back of that, I want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land where I grew up, the traditional owners, the Gulijan peoples, And I want to pay respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, in how they looked after land and how, if we take a step back, we could learn again how to properly care for and look after the land. So that's how I'll start to move forward. Um, Again, I'd love to receive feedback on that um, as to your views or thoughts on how we could be better at deep, meaningful acknowledgement of the traditional owners and of the country that we actually operate on so let's move into what has been taking place in the last 14 months so when we wrapped up season two it was november december uh, 2021 and it was a lot of we were in the state for those of you can remember that was back in the days of lockdowns and covids and vaccination mandates and so forth now i'm going to be very open here i am not vaccinated it's none of your business but i'm not and i made a very clear choice to actually do that now everyone i've respected every single person's opinion i've never told anyone to or not to get vaccinated it's an individual's personal choice about how they treat their body, the sovereignty of their body. Now, there was a lot of what I would say misinformation about why mandates were out there. And a lot of that information now has been completely debunked. And it was all about the risk of not actually having vaccinations and the risk of spreading and the the, the impact on the hospital systems and everything else. Now, all of that is clearly been debunked and is clearly not true and that's what we get this great world of hindsight to be able to look back on having said that at that point in time we were all deep in the emotion that was this thing called COVID that was this thing of this pandemic that was driven by media that was driven by many groups to be what was as again has turned out to be far wasn't as bad as what people were making out to be having said that At the back end of November, there was a lot of heaviness, a lot of challenges for me because I had been informed, particularly at the middle of December, that my role that I had working for a company up in the Northern Territory was no longer going to exist after the middle of March, purely due to the fact that I chose not to meet the mandate rules that were being applied. Now, given that I have investments I have money in the bank, I have a family to care for, I have expenses like everyone else, you know, that 
the risk of not having a job, but not only not having a job, but the risk of not being able to pick up a job in the industry that I love, working with people I love, became a very heavy burden for me to start to carry. What I did do, though, however, is lean in. So my old way, I would have just worn all that myself. What I did do, there's a beautiful men's group called Gathering Men. Um, two of the men are coming up in the, in the next few episodes. So Brett McSween, um, Andrew McSweeney and Brett Allenport, they run Gathering Men, and they had some online sessions. They enabled me not only to go to some of the gatherings, which I chose to go to, but also to be able to jump in online when we could do online face-to-face and express a lot of this deep emotion that was taking place. One thing was also taking place with me, and I had done previous courses with a guy by the name of Sam Lewis, who's also been on this podcast, which is about returning to self um, and what is self from a meditation point of view. And it was really about learning to surrender. And so I also leaned out to Sam and said, Sam, where are you at? What does this look like? He's, I'm really at this verge of, you know, do I break? Do I actually go and just give in to this thing that's going around me? And it was a beautiful conversation. And, and that helped me also realize that who I am and the values that I carry and that the material items that I was worried about were actually not important anymore. And the fact that I was living in a state of force, I was living in a state of trying to control things I couldn't control. And so off the back of that, I realized I'd moved away from my meditation practice. I'd moved away from a lot of things I was actually doing. So I was also getting caught in these ridiculous rabbit holes about, you know, what was happening and, you know, these, I don't know, terminologies were going out there you know and i'm not going to call it that yes you could argue conspiracy theories or, or whatever else about you know recessions and world banks collapsing and you know these power hungry people at the top were controlling the world and it's easy to get down into all those paths what i learned to do though is to say hey i am just going to surrender plain and simple nothing more than that i am just going to surrender and allow what's going to take place and trust back into the universe. It has always protected me. It has always guided me. So when I say universe, you know, I don't believe, it's not that we have to believe in a specific God and I'm not against it. If people want to believe in specific gods, I'm okay with that and and I'm all right with that. I just know that where there is a force greater than myself that has a path for me. It's led me to do this podcast. It's led me to do a number of things that I'll talk about through this episode. So that was a lot of deep stuff that was taking place for me. There was a lot of tears. There was a lot of anxiety until I just decided to completely surrender. What took place, even though I'd spoken to people and they're going, hey, dude, it's going to be really tough for you because most people not only have got the mandates, but they're now expecting people to come back into an office. You don't meet either. So this could be really tough for you. And so have sat very heavy with me. And then I completely surrendered. And I just knew that all I could do was control the job I was doing and work day for day for the people I was. And in the background, something would actually turn up. And as it turned out, something did appear. Got this amazing phone call to say, hey, um, this company, they are looking for somebody uh, that can be 100% remote. You can work from home. It's a skill set you've got. And so effectively on a Thursday, I had a half hour interview. Within a few weeks, 
I've actually gone and joined this new organization. And as the timing worked out, that, that call turned up three weeks before my previous contract was about to expire. So in the end, I actually pretty much rolled from one job directly into the next job and the universe protected me and looked after me and made, made, made sure that I was in a position to continue to maintain uh, a lifestyle that I had worked towards and also to maintain the ability to support myself and my family from a financial point of view. Part of the anguish that was coming from it is that we had just recently moved down to a small coastal town where we operate out of. And that was an amazing experience for me because we got down here and then all of a sudden, you know, that anguish was, was that going to be ripped away? But the universe has gone, no, no, I opened the doors so you could live down there and now you're in a position to continue to live down there. So there was a lot that was taking place. There was a lot that went around with the mandates. There was a lot that went around with the rabbit holes. In the end, I shut all that off. I stopped following people who were not dragging me in the rabbit hole, but I was getting sucked in with them down in the rabbit holes. So I just started to remove these people out and I started to go back to what was true to me, which is I'm just going to follow and, and work with people who are inspirational, who are motivational, who are able to stay above all the noise and the rubbish and just completely surrender into what was day-to-day life. And that was just an amazing, awesome experience to go through. Not long after picking up the new role, the gathering men had another one of their on-country four-day getaway um, retreats, if you like, or just gatherings. And this is such a beautiful um, experience. And again, you know, um, well, I'll be talking with with Andrew and Brett in in future episodes about, you know, the gatherings and and what are taking place. Um, And there's there's one coming up in March. And all I could recommend is if you get an opportunity and you're Victorian-based, even if you're not, and you want to just get away and find yourself over two or three days, look up the gathering men, um, gatheringmen.org jump on, sign into this three to four day gathering. It's the most beautiful experience you'll do. So March came up and I had an opportunity. I'll get back into some of the other things that the universe slapped me on the face and helped me realize to do. But it's pretty, for me, it's, I went away in March and I'd, I'd gone on a, the gathering with these men in, in November and when I was at the gathering, when you first turn up, there's this beautiful t- piece of timber that you get to write your name on, and you carry that around around your, your neck. So it's easier for people to remember who you are. When I arrived, I said, hey, can I put my nickname? Like, can I go by the name that everyone else calls me? And they're like, sure, if that's what you identify with, go for it. So as you've seen, season one, season two, it's like, hey... Yeah, Unearthed Man Podcast, Milvo here, great to hear you. So I wrote Milvo on the back of, you know, on this piece of timber that I wore around my neck and there became a really interesting discussion point. People going, oh, Milvo, that's a strange name and I would talk into how it's a nickname and, and, and everything else. When I got to March, one of the things through this surrender process, one of the things that I, I realised then and particularly – because this is a couple of months after I decided I was going to start up a business, I realized me calling myself Milvo was just me putting another mask out there. It was me 
putting out this different, this other persona, this persona that all my mates knew that I went to school with, that all my work colleagues knew me by. I've even sat in a boardroom with a chief operating officer going around introducing people around the room and getting to me and just saying, oh, and that's Milvo, and then continuing on. Or I walk into a place where people know me and they go, oh, so Milvo's here. And it became this persona, this 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 image that everyone knew of me and who I knew of me. But ultimately, it wasn't who I am. Now, I know by calling myself Stephen Milverton that that is still, you know, a naming convention that's outside, you know, the universe and the spiritual world because my soul is not known by that, but who I am as a person is. But it was such a big step for me because at that gathering, I walked in and go, I am no longer behind that mask either. I am Stephen Milverton, Stephen John Milverton. This is what my parents named me, and I am proud to be this person. And I am standing in all this glory and all my power as the person that I've been named to be. I had not done that for 54 years of my life or 50-odd years of my life. And so that was a huge, powerful experience. So for those who may be in the detail, as I said, pre-season every episode up to now it's like hey it's milvo here yeah and everything else and even my guests you know still now will will jump on and probably call me milvo and that's okay i'm i'm okay for other people to call me that and i'm okay even every now then to call myself that but i've stepped out from that i know who i am i'm very proud of who i am and i think that is part of what this journey that i've been through whilst we've been on the podcast break is this powerful journey of learning exactly who I am, of getting back to the true me and what that looks like to me and being so proud of me, Stephen Milverton, as the man, as a worthy, loving man, father, partner, son, uncle, brother. I know who exactly who I am and I know I know where I want to go. And I look at this man in the mirror but clothed or naked, and I have no shame anymore. I am not ashamed of anything of who I am. I will dance happily naked in front in front of the mirror. I will walk happily naked around in front of my wife. I just am this person now, and that's been such an empowering, amazing journey. And there is so much I had to let go, and so much I had to surrender into, to be able to get to this person that has always been there. I've always hidden behind something. I've always had shame about something. As soon as I realized that this is just who I am, the freeing experience to come from it, the ability to, there's a really nice saying in a YouTube thing called um, the Gene Keys 22, and and it's like I, I can be candid without being cruel. I can just be my truth. I can talk to my truth i can hold my truth for what's true for me but i can also understand that that is only my truth based on still my conditioning and belief system and it's still not right and neither is anyone else's truth because their truth is based on their belief system your truth as a listener is your truth to you but it's not a capital t truth because it is still has some level of conditioning bias that sits within it. And so when we get to this world of just acceptance, surrender, inquiry, and not judgment, and being able to just 
be comfortable sitting still, be comfortable in this world of what others may know as boredom, being willing to be in solitude as opposed to isolation. It is such a beautiful space. You get to see so much beauty in the world. It's not funny. And I'm going to give you an example. I'm back running again. So this year for me, this year for me is actually a year of connection, like a year of connection to my body, a year of connection to my soul, a year of connection to my community. So it's all about connection. So part of getting back to my body is getting the movement back and going for a run. And again, my ego would say, just go for a 5K run. My surrendered body says, no, 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 we're not ready for that. You haven't run for three years. Please be kind and gentle on us. So I've actually started the program as if I've never, ever run before. Now, people know I've done marathons. I've done triathlons. Like I've done baseball, like running. Like I've been a very active guy. I've gone all the way back to as if I have never, ever run before. And I'm on a program now that literally has me running for like two minutes maximum and the rest of it's walking. And it's such an enjoyable thing to be able to do to be able to just continue to go down that amazing surrender path and just listen to my body. The other day, again, universe worked out. It had been pouring with rain and there was this really nice break and I had someone turn up the house and they left and myself and Jackie were going to go for dinner, but it gave me a chance, this really small window, to still go out and do my run for that day. When I got down to the beach... There'd been this really large high tide. And as you know, when the high tide comes up, it smooths over all the sand. But because of all the rain, there was this amazing texture all the way along the beach. Now, the beach I live on now is about 10 kilometers long. When I went down and got on the beach, because I always walk down there barefoot and go for a run barefoot, there was no one on the beach. There were no other footprints. But there was this beautiful texture that the rain had made in the sand that when you walked along, there was this almost like little massaging sensation under your feet. As I walked, there were only my footprints walking along the beach. When I got to the point of turning around to come back, all I could see on the beach was my footprints, just mine, in amongst this amazing texture. And that's when I knew that my art, my heart had absolutely just blown open, completely blown open. And the reason why I knew that is because I was so in love with what I was seeing, the beauty that was around me, the texture, the finite texture in the sand, my footprints that I could see that had taken me in one direction that I was now following on my way back home. And when you get to that position in life, all the other material things that you go through, all the other worries and anxieties and concerns they just don't exist anymore because you really get to see the true nature of life you really get to see the true nature of why we're here and with that open heart you get to connect with land with country with people with the birds with the plants with the rocks with the sound of the ocean it's such a heart-filling, beautiful, loving, you just feel love all around you. You feel held, you feel loved, and you can give out love. And I would love every man, every woman, every child 
to be able to get to that point. And I would love to be able to work with people to be able to get to that point so we could all make that happen. So that's sort of where I got to, I suppose, March. And this journey I've been on this year of surrendering and learning to love myself and, and going on this amazing, yeah, spiritual, open-hearted journey. But let me take you back a, f- a few steps, I suppose, um, to what January looked like. So I had, as you know, the Unearthed Man Initiative, I kicked off effectively the back end of 2019 going into 2020. I think it was April 2020 where I said, hey, this is what I'm now doing. I'm coaching. I got my own, you know, obviously still doing my IT work during the day and, you know, going to run the podcast and everything got up and running. And the universe wanted me to head in that direction. I always had resistance and I always stopped doing it. And so what's the easiest way for the universe to keep saying, hey, we want to guide you, we want to guide you. The easiest way for the universe to help me realize that I wasn't fully leaning into where it would like me to go and for me to be offering this beautiful service to other people, to other men, to be able to offer an opportunity that I've learned through that, my knowledge, my experience, my wisdom, to hand that back out to others. What, what How you do that? Easy. Make someone lose their job. Take your job off you and realize how fickle my income was, how reliant I still was on other people to be bringing income into my life. So I lent into that and I said, right, it's time to commit. Uh, a close friend of mine who's also been on the podcast, Carl O'Hare, was running this program on how to set up your small business, how to set, uh, become an entrepreneur, how to basically start to set up a business and in three to five years be in a position you can either just live off it forever or sell it off and you know and live off the money forever. And I'm like, okay, the universe you've slapped me in the face. You were giving me subtle nudges along the way, but now you've absolutely slapped me in the face. So I leant into that and signed up with Carl and said, cool, it is now time to go and grow a business, my business. My business called Stephen Milverton. Not any other name. I could have come up with any other name, you know, the creative names that are out there, but no. The reason being because I have a gift and I have medicine and I have wisdom and I have knowledge that I, as Stephen Milverton, can share with you, can share with organizations and can share with other people around the world. And it's time for me to lean into that gift and it's time for me to be of service to others and share that gift. So off the back of that, I did. I went and created Stephen Milverton in the business. Stephen Milverton, the business, started as a coaching business and off the back, I've built a six-week online program. It's supported by a, a, an eight-week coaching piece. So even though the content's six weeks, people get to sign into eight weeks. When I kicked that off, it was going to be a 100% all gender, males and females. And so bought all the tools, built the engine, you know, uh, built all the automations that, that I need. And it was an amazing experience because it allowed me to tap back into my creativity and that wanted me to really lean into it. Now, what I also leaned into and what I also learned through that is my wife, my beautiful wife, Jackie, is such an amazing creative person. 
so creative in how she sees things and how she puts stuff up. So rather than me saying, I'm going to do all this myself, I sat down with her one night and said, can I ask for your help? Can you please help me build my business? I would like you to help come up with the creative palette, the logos, create the webs, create the website, create all these amazing email templates for me because that is her strength. And again, that's part of that willingness to let go. Let go of the things that you don't try to force yourself into something you're not good at. Find other people who are good at it. Carl is good at helping people set up and run businesses. I lent into Carl. Jackie is amazing at being able to set up websites and have the creativity and the color palettes and the design around it. That's her expertise. So I lent into that. While I'm talking about Jackie, she has also now gone and created her, her most amazing and beautiful photography business. So she does branding photography, family photography, um, individual photography, couples photography. If you are looking for a heart-led, beautiful woman who can hold space, who can make you feel going from awkward to feeling the most comfortable in front of a camera and just have you having the most amazing, enjoyable experience, please reach out to Jackie. She has this beautiful, beautiful photography business. Find her on Instagram. Just look under Jackie Milverton. Find her on Instagram. You find her on Facebook. I think if you search in, you'll probably find a business also within, um, you know, online. Um, and you can go and see her her beautiful galleries of what she's done. I digress a bit, but the reason why I did that is because I learned to lean in on people around me to help me out build this business. And so that's what I spent a lot of 2022 doing is creating Stephen Milverton, the business. I've learned a lot from that. What's some of the things I've learned along that journey? Number one, I'm not great on Facebook ads and it's not a path for me. As part of this, the way you do the whole automation is you, you go and create you know, Facebook ads, you put people through to a video and then you get them onto a phone call. For me, even though that works probably at the very top end and, and that works really well, it just didn't feel right for me. So I went and invested a, a lot of money in running ads and basically had a couple of phone calls but not a lot of conversion and realized that's probably not the path for me. So now I'm going down a whole different path about what does that now look like? You know, How do I go about having people get awareness about the journey they could go on with me to actually fundamentally change their lives and get to this place of surrender and get to this place of they can live the life that they desire. So I'm learning from that. And that's a good thing about where I've got to. There was a point in time where I would have beat the daylights out of myself, like literally beat the shit out of myself because I was spending all this money and getting nothing out of it. I knew that that was just a learning journey. I understood I have to go through this process to understand where I'm going to land. So where's my business landed now? I realized through this whole journey and in having conversations with males and females that my business, my medicine, and leveraging off my wisdom and expertise is, one, helping men, just working with men. I love working with men. I love seeing them grow. I know because as a man, I know all the challenges I've had in 50-odd years of living. I've been down all those rabbit holes. I've been down those addictions. I've been down those emotional distractions. I haven't been heart-led. 
I've been closed off. I've had to blow myself apart to rebuild myself back up again. And that's been an amazing journey. And I know how hard that is for a man to do that. I know how scary it is and, and, and the fear that sits with a man going, I don't want to do that. That is just so far out of my comfort zone, but I've got you. I know what it's like. I've been there as a man to have gone through that journey and to realize how beautiful it is. As I described on that walk along the beach, how beautiful it is when you come out the other side. Sure, it's painful on the way through. Sure, there's discomfort on the way through. But like anything in life, sometimes we have to go through that pain. But the beauty that comes out the other side, just have a think about a massive storm comes through. Massive storm. It's chaotic. There's lightning. There's rain. There's wind. It feels terrible. And then it passes and the sun comes out. And you have this beautiful warmth of the sun that comes out. And you can even head back down the beach afterwards. And you've got the glistening of the sun against the raindrops. And all of a sudden, this sun will come back out again. And the beauty surrounds us. That's what it's like when we go on this journey. And it's with the right level of support and the right level of people around you, you can go through this. So one, men, that's where I'm at. I'm here for you, men. I can guarantee you if you tell me something, I'll go, yep, understand it, got it, been there, experienced it. What can I do to help and support you? The other thing too that I've realized is that, you know, I spent and still am spending time dealing in corporations and delivering high-end projects. I know what it's like. I see what men do. I see how men use work as a distractor. You know, I see how they how they label themselves to go, I am this delivery guy. I actually spend 14 hours a day. I am this. I, I'm never going to suffer burnout. I'm okay. The reality is these men are stressed, full of anxiety, because their whole life, that's how they've labeled themselves. I'm the get it done guy. You know, what's at risk? Them burning out. What's at risk? Full of stress and anxiety. What's at risk? Their relationships with themselves, with their partners, with their kids, with their families. I see it all the time. I see people going through breakups. I see people going through divorces and that adds extra stress and extra strain. And then they work harder and longer hours because they think that you know they failed somewhere. And so they go back into this space. So for me, I'm leaning heavily into men and I'm leaning heavily into men in the corporate world to let them understand this one thing. You can be hugely successful in your job without the stress and anxiety, without going through burnout, without having to work the long hours, without labeling yourself as that savior of the world. And more importantly, without risking the relationships with the people who love you and who you love. And so that's where I'm at now. And that for me, this last 12 months has been such an amazing journey for me to go on and for me to just learn that I've just got to lean into that space. That's where the universe wants me. But that's not only where the universe wants me. That's where the people who operate in this universe want me to come into because they're the ones screaming out for help. And this is the other thing I've learned. We think we want to go on a path. I'm being called, not by the, by the universe, I'm being called by the people. You, 
you are calling me into this. You are asking me to stand into this space and actually do this for you. You've got the pain in your heart. You've got the stress in your mind. You've got the voices talking in your head. You are subconsciously asking for me to come and help you. There are men in the corporate world without knowing it are going, I need someone to help me with this problem. I don't want to know what the problem is. I just feel the pain and I wish someone would step into this space and provide something for me to come and actually solve for that. I am here for you and this is what we're going to be able to do and we can work together. So that's a bit about my journey and the business I've built up. What else has taken place in the last 12 months? <laughs> it's amazing how much it actually goes on. Um, one other thing, um, as part of the new job, I was actually based up in Sydney. Which meant I spent having to fly and I kept living a lie. I'm exempt. I'm exempt. I never had an exemption, but I didn't believe in the masks and I wasn't threatening anyone else and no one else is at risk. I got the fly a day after they removed mandates and it was the most amazing feeling to do the final thing that was holding me back, which was living. I don't matter if it's a small lie or not, but the fact is there was this lie that was still existed around the world about the masks and what we had to do and everything else. And as soon as I removed that, that was my last sense of freedom. That was my last sense of feeling absolutely sorry. Last thing that enabled me to have freedom and to completely be free to who I am and not have to hide behind this one little thing anymore, which is I have an exemption and the anxiety that would actually go with that and the scorns that would look and the sorry, you got to go to a different queue and get special things put on your tickets and all these bizarre things that were taking place. So again, that also was a almost the closing out of that world that took place. Now I'm talking about it now only because, you know, I just want to explain what had gone on and where I was at. For me now, it's a completely different world. You know, we're now definitely in 2023 and we're moving forward. Who knows what's going to come along, but I do know I have I have a whole lot of tools available to me now to cope so much better in the event that we end up having to go through a experience like this somewhere moving forward. One of the other challenges that took place in in last year was my mum. Uh, my mum's health has slowly deteriorated um, over a period of time, uh, similar to my dad. So my mum had smoked most of her life and, and everything else. So you know, my dad died four odd years ago, a bit over four years ago. Um, his lungs finally gave up for the last 12, 18 months of his life. He was on oxygen. And so my mum ended up is in a similar situation. My mum's been, you know, her lungs are now giving up as well. And so she's in a situation where she was on gas bottles for for oxygen on a temporary basis. And at home, she pretty much moved into a permanent, you know, every time she's at home, she's got oxygen on just to help her breathe. And, you know, it's really sad because my mum, I was a massively active person. Always has been like playing squash, playing netball, playing tennis. Like she was one of the inspirations for us as young kids. Like she was always a very, very active, healthy person in sports and, and, you know, big driver for us being involved in sports. So with, with my dad and yours as he went through, my mum became a prime carer and that took a lot of years out of my mum's life. And that was sad to see because she became restricted by him. And then by the time my dad passed away, 
those few years that mum had in her life actually also started to, she lost, um, which is quite tragic for her. And then the lungs started to give up on her. What happened during last year was she ended up with an ulcer in her stomach. Now, uh, she got rushed to hospital um, up near where I near where I live up here in Geelong. And off the back of that, effectively, it was plain and simple. Because of her state with her lungs, she could not go into surgery. And so we're in a situation where we didn't know what was actually going to take place because if they couldn't find an alternate means, in other words, if she couldn't go into surgery to fix the ulcer in her stomach, this meant that she was going to basically potentially slowly die uh, because you know, they couldn't close it over. So that's really tough to deal with um, in the fact that you're sitting there watching your mum you know, on oxygen in a hospital, not knowing is she going to be able to self-heal or not. Now, when you're in your 80s, very hard to self-heal from an ulcer. A lot of rationale as to why that ulcer appeared. Mum still was drinking wine and she was on heavy medication. As we know, alcohol and medication don't mix. In fact, that becomes a chemical time bomb inside your stomach. As people know, I'm definitely into holistic medicine. And, you know, first of all, I think we give too many people too many medicines. But then when you mix medicine um, and medicine on top of medicine and on top of alcohol, you are a chemical time bomb. And so ultimately, that burned a hole in the stomach. The good news is that you know, I suppose she had recovered for that, but what we didn't know was, was she going to have a slow bleed inside her stomach? And we ended up having conversations with doctors. The doctors are like, well, you know, she's on this path, but the reality is if this doesn't happen at any point in time, this hole could get bigger and she's basically just going to bleed out and she'll bleed out internally because we can't do surgery on that. Nothing we can do. We'll let it let you know what's going on, but ultimately, you know, she could disappear any time or it could be actually a bit of a slow, painful death. And that's a really tough thing to actually deal with. The one thing for me, though, was I wasn't with my mum because I'd reconciled. I'm very much reconciled with death. I understand that the death is just of the human form. And that her spirit, my dad's spirit, we will continue on together. That's what people say, you know, if you're a Christian, you are going to go to heaven, right? It's just physical body that disappears, not the spirit and not the soul that we've actually got. So I'm very reconciled with death and I'm very reconciled with my relationship with my mum. What did take place, though, was some um, challenges that then that brings up within family. And so we were going through some experiences where my son was up in the snow. We were told we didn't know how long mum was going to live. We, due to hospital rules, you can only actually have one person visit per day for an hour, which was fucking ridiculous. Sorry to swear on this one, but it is the most ridiculous rules and craziness that's gone on around here. I know it's like in the rest of the world, but it is so screwed in this country about what's going on and, and how they, their lack of humanity, their lack of caring, their lack of heart-driven understanding of love and families and how they treat it, due to this ridiculousness around, you know, having an 80-year-old lady in a hospital on the verge of dying saying you can have one visitor for one hour a day. I mean, in any humane society, 
that is a prison camp stuff. Now, not not disrespecting anyone who's been in prisons of war and everything else, but for 23 hours a day to have an old person whose whole life is built around their family, and this isn't just my mum, this is families around the world, to deny them the ability to have access to family due to some ridiculous fear-mongering around, you know, how others, you know, how that's going to impact other people is just the most craziest thing going on. And if you accept that, if you accept that, please come and have a conversation with me because you and I need to deeply work on what's holding you back in your life and why your heart isn't open because you are living in a state of fear. You are living in a state that is not acceptable if you cannot see the inhumanity that is actually happening in our medical systems. Anyway, rant over. My son, we asked to say, hey, look, our son who was four hours away and only had one day off was going to drive for four, four or five hours to come down to see his nana for an hour and to go back in the event that he may not to get surrogate. And the reason why that was important was that leading up to my father passing away, his grandfather, he had just got his license and he was on effectively school holidays. He had an opportunity to either come and see my father or, or head away with his mates. He chose to go away, away with his mates, which is a perfect, acceptable choice because no one knows when someone's going to pass on. What actually happened is that he never got a chance to see my dad, his grandpa, um, his pop, before he passed on. And my son's worn that fairly heavily on his heart. So we didn't want that to happen again to him. So we asked. Now, what happened is that there's a lot of accusations came out from certain aspects of my family. Um, a lot of accusations around selfishness and uh, wanting to, you know, effectively kill my mum and a whole lot of elements. Now, that's what happens when emotion takes over and, and people actually live in their own fear and their own selfishness. Because I knew the situation. I knew where mum was at. I knew that that mum may not die immediately, but it doesn't mean that my son couldn't come down. I knew there was an opportunity for every other person. Now, interestingly, this one individual who, who had all the vitriol, who had all the hatred, who was throwing out all the accus- ac- um, accusations, chose to attend with my brother one of the hospital visits that um, they could go and see my mum. As a result of that person choosing in her own selfishness to make two people visit on that day, the lady was in the bed beside my mum then made a complaint going, why does this person get to have two people come and see them for more than an hour when I only get one person for an hour? And that's fair for her to say that question because, you know, it's inappropriate that she only had that as well. As a result, the restrictions got put back on our ability to visit. So this person, who accused everyone else of being selfish, accused me of risking wanting to kill my mum and stepping forward, actually resulted in all of our restrictions being put back in place and only one of us getting to see my mum for an hour a day. Off the back of that, she still hasn't actually gone and caught up with my mum. Off the back of that, once she found out my mum may actually be okay and was going to be released, she actually never went to visit her again. Like we went and spent time with mum when she was um, getting back to used to living back at home on her own again because mum's a very independent person. 
this person chose not to go back and visit. So that was being very challenging space to effectively operate in because off the back of that, um, we had to then deal with this person leading up to Christmases and, and all these other events that were going to actually be taking place. So um, as you could probably pick up on, um, there's been some challenges around my mum. The good news is my mum's very fit and healthy now. Oh, sorry, I probably should that. My mum is back home. She's on full-time oxygen. She's living as active a life as she can. Um, back on alcohol, prefer she wasn't. Still on the medication, so she's still got this ticking time bomb going on. But a lot of challenge and a lot of motion took place in relation to that, and not not just with my mum, but probably more around the family that we have to deal with. But again, that was a lesson. How do we how do we deal with those situations? How do we surrender? How do we give compassion? Even though it sounded like, and I do, I still have a lot of concern for this individual within my family and their approach, the one thing I kept doing is say, what would love do? And understanding that she actually wasn't having an attack at me, that everything that was taking place in her and her life was actually to do with her own conditioning and her own fears and what was actually going on with her and actually nothing to do with myself or my family. And again, this is where we've got to learn to get to. We could we could hold grudges, resentments, and so forth. And I just want to explain that story to you more to get to the point of, I love this person. I love her being part of our family. And I understand that she has a number of challenges that she needs to work through from her own life and some things that have taken place on her life that she hasn't worked through, where she hasn't chosen to go through the discomfort and the pain to resolve the trauma that she's holding in her body so that she can actually pack up and move forward. And I only wish for her that that's what she can do. Um, This is going to end up being a long episode, but I'm on a roll and we haven't done this for 14 months. So jump on the journey and uh, I hope you stay along. Um, A few other things that's taken place. I had my birthday, 55th birthday. I've never actually had a party. I've never gone through a process of celebrating me. And as I said, you've learned that I'm really learning who I am celebrating me. So I held a party. I invited a whole lot of close friends. We had 30-odd close family and friends turn up to this event. And it was beautiful because I said, I want a present. I wasn't one of these people of, oh, no, no, your presence is my, a present enough. It's like, no, I would like you, I would like to receive from you. If you would like to donate, I am happy to receive a gift from you. And what I've realized also is that when we actually say, I don't want anything from you, you're denying the opportunity for that person to give you a gift. So by you not being willing to receive, you're actually also not allowing another person to give. And for us, we don't have a right for that to take place. Every single person has an opportunity to give And every single person has an opportunity to receive. And so think of through that when you go through. So what happened was that I invited these people. I said, I would like a donation because I wanted to get a brand new surfboard. And I've now got a beautiful custom-made Corey Graham nine-foot-two longboard. It's an amazing, beautiful um, surfboard. For anyone that follows me on my Instagram account, there's definitely a photo of it up there. So go and check it out. 
Um, but part of receiving from others, which was receiving them, their love and their presence, I gave back. I cooked all the food. I spent time in the kitchen leading up, creating and preparing and cooking all this beautiful food so that when they gave me the gift of turning up and I was able to receive them, I was able to provide a gift back to them of beautiful plant-based organic food that I had prepared and, and gave to them. So there's this beautiful give and take that took place. And part of my journey of having my art, my heart open and my ability to learn to receive gifts of my love and other people's love, that was a, re- a key moment that actually took place. And I would suggest that to anybody. Do not deny yourself the ability to ce- celebrate your birthday. Do not deny yourself the ability to have people over to celebrate you for who you are. And do not deny them the opportunity to give you that gift of turning up to your birthday and celebrating who for you, for you for who you are. It's such a powerful experience to go through. The other thing that took place in last year, and, and um, I talk a bit about this in my program, is I went and saw a kinesiologist. Um, for those who don't know, kinesiology is actually a very deep energy healing practice. The interesting thing about that is that a lot of the stuff that was holding me back, particularly as I was going through the business and not being really stepping into it and not being able to offer out my gifts and and where I was, was he found that I was bringing in old trauma and the old soul trauma. And my old soul trauma related to a previous life, so past life trauma, where I was a Rome, a general in the Roman Empire, in the Roman army. And so I was getting a lot of stuck in pride and anger because of what was taking place back then. And this soul had carried it all the way into my body. And so we were doing a lot of work, not on who I am. So when we actually broke it out, 40 odd percent of my trauma was to do this old soul the soul that's now in in this physical body 30 odd percent was to do with ancestral trauma so trauma that my great 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 grandfathers and grandmothers and through my family lineage that they'd been holding on to that through the dna they'd passed down through to my parents that had passed through to me and only about 20 odd percent of my trauma actually was to do with my current living life so when you think you're being held back, when you think you can't move forward or you think there's something deep inside of you that is just not right, it may actually not be to do with you. It could be to do something that was handed down to you through your ancestral lineage or it could be something that your old soul bought with you into this lifetime. Go and explore it and be open to it. I've invested in this kinesiologist and we've been on an amazing journey and I can tell you it works. I was I went through block after block after block and we did a few sessions and all of a sudden one day I'm like bang I'm in and I my creative spirit opened and I got stuff up and running. And so even now, like how you've heard me talking now about me and my life is such an open, beautiful life that I'm open to the world and love. My heart was so blocked off before I started that process. So find Step outside Western medicine. Western medicine will work on logical, practical elements of your life. It'll work on how your brain's thinking. It'll work on how your body's thinking. All of those are symptoms. Western medicine is here to solve your symptoms. It is never here to solve the root cause of the problem. 
So if you really want to dig deep and you really want to release yourself and make the most of this life that you've got on this earth at this point in time, work both on physical, mental, yes, sure, the symptoms, but go deeper. Go into the root cause. Go into the energetic space because we are all energy atoms. We are all made up of these nanoparticles that we carry and we are just energy. Our energy is the same as the energy of a rock, the same as the energy of a tree, plants, animals. We are all just energy and we have the ability to tap into as much energy as we would like to as long as we open up those energy portals within ourselves. And you have to do the work and you have to work your way through it. So that probably is a bit of a wrap-up. I know there's been a fair bit into that, uh, but as you can see, there's been a lot took place from December 20, 2021 through until where we are now in basically February 2023. So what does Season 3 look like? Um, I'm looking to pretty much do the podcast for the full year. As you would have seen, Season 1 Season 2 are about six months each. I'm really keen to actually push through and actually do a full year for Season 3. I've got a number of men who have signed up um, or who've shown interest globally um, through this tool called Podmatch, but also a lot of people that I'm connecting out with. And so I think even as I'm recording this, I've got about two months already worth of pre-scheduled in um, pod, um, podcast interviews that we'll, we'll start to roll out with a whole lot of beautiful men. So great opportunity to get a lot of diverse men and a lot of different people coming in. So season three, I think is going to be a really good cracking season. And, you know, again, we get this chance to explore journeys with men and where they've been. What does 2023 look like? So effectively, 2023 for me is, as I said, it's a year of connection for me. It's connecting with my body. It's connecting with my community. Um, it's connecting with you know my, my family and my relationships. So it's all about how do I connect and to the point where, you know, I need to ask my body, what is it that you need now? And understand that I'm occupying this body and it is a vessel that's carrying me. So build a different relationship, seek permission from my body for the things I actually want to do. Some really cool stuff that I'm really going to be driving in 2023 um, that I'm really looking forward to. The first thing was in December last year, um, I did. I basically prior to that, I did a week with a, a team in the UK called Awaken Man, um, the Awaken Man Project. Awesome guys, uh, dialed in uh, and on calls for a week. And what I realised off the back of that is that I really had to step into start, starting up this men's community. I really, it's time to do that. And what they helped me understand is that I already had everything I needed. I looked at my phone and I actually had. In my contact list of 400 of people, 256 of them were men. I already had access to men who could become part of the community. So I reached out to those men and said, hey, leading at the end of December 2022, who wants to jump on a call? I've got a goal to get 50 men on a call who want to feel supported or who want to support other men. 80-odd said yes, that they would do it. 37 men turned up on that call, and we had this beautiful one-hour call where we just actually got to learn to know about each other. We ran through a few exercises. And at the end, we're like, hey, what do you want to do next? And the guys goes, can we create a community off the back of this? I'm like, absolutely. I'm all ready to go. And so the Unearthed Men community is now alive and running. We're up and running on a, a WhatsApp group. And so this 
men's community is growing day by day and week by week. So there is a link that will actually be in the show notes for you to jump on and go, if you want to be a man and you want to be part of this beautiful community, I want this to be one of the fastest growing men's communities in the world. Now, to let you know, on our recent call that we actually had, so we had a call back in, in January, there was 18 men jumped on the call seven different nationalities, and in fact, one man dialed in from Kenya for the call. So we've got this global community. So if you're listening to this outside of Australia, you can still pick a part of this community because this is a global community. And as I said, click the link, and what we'll do is we'll get you into the WhatsApp group, and you'll actually be able to jump on and be part of the calls. So that's probably the the key thing for that. Secondly, my eight-week program. So I've got, as I said, I've created this beautiful six weeks worth of content. It's an eight-week program. I'm going to run four of them this year. So I'm running four eight-week programs this year. The first one starts on the 20th of February. So you'll have time for when this season opener comes out for you to jump on. Let's get on the call and let's hook get you in. I'm only taking 10 men. So for every one of these programs that I do this year, four of them I'm running, I'm only going to take 10 men into the program, a very small focused group of men who are really re- who are willing and ready to, to say, there's something more out there. I want to change my life. I'm ready to step into it. I'm ready to, be, to tap back into the true man that I can be. So if you are interested and you want to be part of one of my men's programs, uh, send me a message. Once you hear this, click again, click on the link below to say, yep, I want to actually be part of that men's program we can jump on a call and we can actually have that conversation. Now, if by the time you jump on, those slots have actually already been taken, happy to put you in the wait list for the program that will take place, which will probably kick off, you know, effect about eight to 10 weeks after, you know, after this one. But definitely we'll be able to work you through that. So the other thing too is going to run four eight-week programs this year. It's going to be awesome. That's going to be 40 men. Who, are, who have a ripple effect out in the universe and out in life and absolutely have a change in their lives. As a man that's already been through the program last year, I ran it for him only just as a bit of a, hey, let's work together on this. Um, and Pat went through this amazing experience. Um, he'll have a testimonial out there as well. And I've already had another man reach out and say, hey, can I chat to Pat? And he and, he and Pat had a chat and he's already signed the program going, wow, if that's what happened to Pat, I'm in. I want to be part of this journey. So if that's you... And you want to be part of this amazing um, closed eight-week journey with only nine other men, definitely let me know because I would love to have you a part of it. And finally, the other goal I'd love to have is have this Unearthed Man podcast hit the charts. Like, let's seriously get this up into the charts this year. So how does that happen? You just need to jump on and click the quick review. As you see, you know, these podcasts go anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and 15, and there's production time as everything else. There's a lot of effort goes into creating a podcast. All I ask for you is two minutes of your time. All you need to do, again, jump on whichever app you're in, go and hit the review button, give it five stars, leave a comment, and the more people that do that, then the more, the higher this gets up in the charts, it gets up into the, hey, you know, top podcast you should listen to. The more men, the more women get to listen to this podcast and then the ripple effect really starts to take place. So please, please subscribe to the podcast and actually put it out there. So I think I've covered everything. 
that I needed to cover off. I know that this might have been a felt a bit of a, a strange journey, but I really want to cover off what's happening in the last 14 months. There's been a lot going on. I'm super proud of where I've come from over the last 14 months. I think this journey that we're about to go on, the podcasts are going to be so much deeper. The programs are going to be so much deeper. If you want to become part of the community, there's a whole lot of, you know, we're going to run workshops, face-to-face chats. We're going to do, you know, online calls. There's a whole lot that's going to be happening this year and you get to be part of it. So if you're a man and you're saying, I really, I'm feeling like a bit isolated or I really want to find my tribe, this is the tribe for you. Jump in, you'll be held, you'll be supported, you'll be loved and you'll go on an amazing journey with us and you know, that'll change how you deal in your relationships, how you deal with your life, you know, how you work through relationships with your partners and everything else. It's going to be a big, amazing journey. So I am going to wrap it up there. So this is the opener for season three. We're back up and running. As you can see, I've got a lot of passion. I'm fully energized. There's a lot of excitement. So I'm going to close out by sending you much love, care, and peace. You have a beautiful day and keep an eye out for episode 54. That's got a beautiful guy by the name of Nico McSweeney who's coming on board to have a chat with us as well. So for now, much love, care, and peace. Stephen, have a great day.